Comics, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 feature token flips. Uh, today, I'm your host, Phil, and with me as always, lovable co-host, Davey. How you doing, Davey? <laughs> I'm good. I'm lovable. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing good. All right. Uh, enjoying, enjoying the uh, holiday season, um, getting some time off of work. It feels really good. Yeah, I bet. You've been uh, hitting it hard lately. Yep. Yep. Uh, but we are we're sort of closing in on the finish line for this big push that we've been doing the last few months. So cool. Looking forward to more time away from the office. Yeah. But we are not here to talk about my work life. We're here <laughs> to talk about Underworlds. And for our topic today, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about hold objective play now that the dust has sort of settled, uh, if you will, for Harrow Deep as a season and the new rules changes and sort of how it's all shaping up for the uh, objective holding warbands. Mm -hmm. So should be interesting. Um, but before we dive into that, we do have all of our normal uh, just quick topics. Um, to give you a little bit of context, though, for when we're recording this, we're running, recording at the end of November. And for those of you who've been longtime listeners, you probably know this is around the time that we started our first episode. And this is now going to be the third year uh, anniversary episode for our uh, podcast here. So I don't know. Feels like a pretty big uh, milestone. For which think, we've maybe? planned elaborate uh, events to, oh, yes. to uh, yes. go with it. <laughs> and by so, elaborate events, I mean right before recording, I was like, hey, hold on. Isn't this? <laughs> <laughs> we've, been, we've been doing this for a while, I guess. But yeah, so um, I mean, if, if this is the first time you're listening, if it's if you've listened to every single episode, uh, either way, we're glad to have you. Um, it's been fun. It's been a fun journey. Um, I'm hoping that we can keep it going strong for years to come. Um, and if you just, you know, want to just communicate with us, let us know how we're doing. Give us any sort of feedback, thoughts. Uh, if you feel so inclined, joining up on the Patreon, whatever you want to do. But uh, it's been it's been a fun ride. So um, we hope you hang in there with us as we continue the journey. Moving on, though. Uh, so we've got our standard community shout outs. Um, so I actually had some time to read some people's articles Ooh. recently. All yeah, right. crazy. Um, and the the most recent one, so I so I basically read everybody's reviews of the new warbands, which always great to get more people's opinions on those. Um, and then uh, over on the Keep Chopping blog, there's a, a recent article about resurrecting uh, fighter warbands and mm. sort of a a take on how that sort of fits in the game, um, sort of what what it, the impact is, and and I guess it kind of. Uh, sort of dovetails into a couple different pieces of the game sort of converging with those warbands. So um, some interesting takes. Uh, if you're on the D Discord for uh, some of the online discussion groups, there's there's some interesting discussion around it. I think it's it's worth a read just to get your own, like, you know, go into it knowing what it's about, but I don't want to, like, color anyone's opinions. I thought it was an interesting read. Um, I think I would definitely suggest giving it a read, see what you think. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Um, I think, uh, I think it's been interesting to see how, uh, 
the design team, Dave Sanders and his crew are, are figuring out, you know, where, where their design space limitations are with, with yeah. all these different things. And I think you can see some of the lessons learned, you know, things like, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, there's this upgrade now heroic in, which has a lot of great, uh, buffs. Um, but you can only do it when you're vulnerable. And what they, what they correctly noticed was that this card could be incredibly powerful. If it was on a fighter that could be brought back again and again. Right. Uh, yep. and so what it does is once this fighter is taken out of action, break this card. Um, and so just, just beyond anything else, I really like watching the development, the, uh, kind of evolution of the game where they are learning how to accommodate these different, uh, war band styles there. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's nothing new, like other games go through the same thing. So for anybody who's like feeling like there's these pain points in the rules, it's like, yeah, that's because there are, because that's how games develop. Either you usually start with everything too weak and then maybe the game's boring and then it doesn't last, or you start way too strong and then you have to like slowly work it down so that you can have this sort of survivable middle ground where you can like have a fun game without everything feeling like it's insane. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of how this game developed. Like shit, some of the stuff in Shadespire was pretty bananas, but <laughs> we've learned a lot of lessons along the way. And uh, I think the game is better for it. Yeah, I agree. Did you have any uh, anything you'd like to shout out for this episode? Yeah, a couple things for me. There was a, uh, there's a user who been chatting with a little bit, negative one. He's uh, on our discord among other places mm-hmm. and yeah. he and i were sharing some uh, eyes of the nine ideas back and forth and that was pretty fun so mm. uh i realized i had finally gotten them painted in time for uh me to be done kind of playing them in the old league so i i brought them out for uh for our, our past league uh, i got to it's always fun to kind of brainstorm some some list ideas um and yeah. then also uh there's a new battle report channel out this is i believe he said gummy toot gummy toot I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's the crit focus channel. And until I actually watched an episode, I didn't put together that it's like crit focus and channel are the size of the uh, mm, magic dice. Mm-hmm. Got uh, it. That's pretty clever. Um, but uh, I, I just watched their first one. They've got several out. Uh, they've got some, they're theming it in a, in a cool way. So they, they just, I watched a one off, but now they're, they're having like the uh, who's the best storm cast. Um, so big storm cast <laughs> off. Uh, that sort of thing cool. uh and they're uh they're coming along but they the uh it was it was entertaining to watch and there's commentary and it's also edited um down so uh a lot of the downtime is kind of clipped out which is nice to keep them moving along nicely so nice. worth checking out uh and seeing if uh it scratches that battle report itch for you um, yeah so uh cool. but just wanted to shout out another content creator Awesome. Always great to have more people making great content to go check out. Well, uh, so I will not bury the lead here too much and just say that I have not really had any hobby time other than getting back to actually reading other people's articles. Uh, Have you had any hobby time? What the heck is going on with you, Davey? It sounds like you finished painting some Eyes of the Nine. Yeah. Anything else? They've been done for a bit, um, but I'd never got to feel them. So I got to bring them out mm. for the first time. That was fun. Um, got to get out to our league night. So I brought uh, Eyes of the Nine and uh, the God Sworn Hunt, a couple uh, couple powerhouses from uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Nightwatch season. You know. uh, but uh, what it was, I was like, ah, I want to try some of his eyes, you know. 
I, I like to try to bring a couple war bands out to league night so that I can ask the opponent like, Hey, you know, would you prefer to play one or the other, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, cause we got, and, uh, sure enough, uh, my second game was against jazz and I was like, Hey, I got God's warner eyes. And she's like, Ugh, I hate eyes. It's like, well, <laughs> all right. Uh, God's warned it is. So, uh, nice. we had a incredibly bloody, like 20 minutes and done, uh, match with, uh, yeah. God's warned versus her, uh, crimson court. Which included Ooh. a, uh, and people who are on the Discord are probably already saw this, but uh, uh, they're using a push. I was able in the first round to have um, uh, have Grunden. Uh, I'd, I'd scored one glory off of something passive, like uh, everything to prove or something. Um, and so I put uh, I put uh, Feral Symbiote on him, so he's doing four damage once he's inspired, mm-hmm. and he he swung at Velus, missed. Swung at Velus missed. So now he's already got two hunger counters. He's already taken a hit, so he's got two damage. He's got one life, one one health left. Uh, but then uh, played Mighty Swing, ran into a crowd that where he could swing on three different uh, vampires. Oh, uh, no. You didn't, did you? <laughs> <laughs> the first one was Ennius, who uh, uh, I think I got a crit on him, and then he critted to defend, so I knocked him back. But then I killed Velus and uh, killed Prince Duval. And then, of course, that was my third hunger counter, and Grunden fell over dead. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it scored uh, the two kills, Primacy, Clean Kills, uh, and uh, Fallen Titan. And for Chaz, that was my third person down, which scored uh, Bloody Hunt or, or uh, Red Ruin. Red Ruin yeah. is the, is the mm-hmm. objective. And uh, also, like, letter into another. So there's, like, I, we added up, there was, like, 10 glory that scored between the two sides combined off that one activation, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, so that's, that's the fun stuff. That's, that's why you go out and play these games. That's right? why you go I mean, out and play. Yeah, like, it was great. So always, we got to do Painted on Painted. Stuff. So Nice. Uh, and then on the on the side of, uh, I'm almost done painting Grimwatch. Uh, so Ooh, fun. Um, yeah, I'm going with a, a pale scheme. I wanted to try and do real pale flesh and then kind of lean into the bloody hand sort of thing. Uh, yeah. I have not yet Solid. gotten into the real gory bloody part yet. Uh, <laughs> it's a little scary cause I'm starting to feel better about how they look and like, am I really going to just like slop a bunch of blood yep. all over these now? Exactly what you're going to do. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I'm going to do. I mean, that's why that's one of the fun things about uh, painting the war bands is I can try things that I wouldn't try on an army, like try out a new technique or a different color palette, all that sort of thing. So fun stuff. But yeah, yeah. So plenty of stuff going on for me. Sweet. All yeah. right. Well, and some of those war bands kind of ties in to what we're going to be talking about today. And yeah. so objective play. Um, so the main thing that we are hoping to just talk through here is mostly that like the way the whole objective play works is highly impacted by the new uh, setup mechanics yeah. and delving. So we wanted to like have a discussion about that, but we needed to kind of give it some breathing room because there's a lot of hot takes immediately Mm -hmm. out of the gate, but it's like, no, should wait, see how it actually works, play with it, and then can sort of give some, some background. But so for those of you who maybe don't have Harrow Deep yet and aren't as familiar with these new rules, uh, Davey, would you want to run the people through delving and how the new objective placement does impact uh, the game now? Sure. Uh, we'll just talk for a second about what the actual rules are, and then we'll talk about uh, where that actually, what the implications of that yep. are. So yep. 
Uh, delving uh, is something that happens during the power step. And when it is your turn to play a power card, you can delve instead of playing a power card. Uh, each feature token can only be uh, delved once per player per power step. Uh, yep. So you can flip it once and then uh, you with short of using a power card, it, it will be stuck in that or uh, or unless the other player can somehow get onto it and then they can flip it in that same power step with a delve. Um, mm -hmm. And then objective placement, a big big thing there is that uh, no objective, it used to be that your, your fifth objective could be placed on an edge hex no matter what. Yep. Um, and then if somehow the the field got so restricted before that the fourth could potentially be placed i don't know that i ever saw that happen uh, i think mathematically it was probably possible but yeah it was probably like <laughs> one configuration of every of you situation. know yeah exactly yeah, you had to have it set it perfectly for that to ever be possible sure uh but now that caveat uh you can only place that fifth one on the edge hex if there's no other valid spaces and even that uh, is is pretty hard. So what that means is that you can't just set your board uh, and expect to be able to throw one way in the back line. Um, mm -hmm. uh, interestingly, as well, this actually also applies to the uh, the the two tokens that go afterwards, the the ones that are gloom on both sides. Uh, those don't end up in edge hexes either. The only restriction they get to ignore mm -hmm. is the uh, can they can be placed within two. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I mean, like objective placement has always been a really important part of playing hold objectives and to a lesser extent, it's still a very important part of the game in general. Mm -hmm. um, and like it doesn't when you read it, it's like, OK, that makes sense. It's like a small change, but it's like oh, the the math of like how close all the objectives end up being <laughs> once they have to be set that way is striking. Yeah. Um, like you really just have everything so much closer together yeah. and you can really get forced into where you're allowed to put your objectives. Like you really mm -hmm. have to be careful. Otherwise it's like, Oh, I guess there's like literally one valid spot left yeah. for this thing to yeah. go. Um, that was I, definitely something that caught me off guard when I first started like setting up boards and actually seeing it. hundred percent. I, uh, it felt like learning, like if you learned how to drive, uh, it felt like all of a sudden you're in a country that drove on the other side of the road, right? Like, mm, so mm -hmm. some things were transferable, but it took a lot of like, okay, hold on. Like, let me, I really need to think about this. And we said it before, I, I, um, if, if we get the chance to go to a, uh, a, a big tournament or something like that. And I, I am, if I choose to bring a hold objective warband, what I, what I do is probably sit down, like maybe you and I sit down and we just place boards for, you know, for 20 minutes, like, okay, I'm gonna place boards and objectives. Now let's, let's kind of work through the different ways that you can manipulate a given board or setup, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think there's, there's a lot to figure out, like, you know, trying to protect good spots versus disrupt them, uh, trying to, trying to figure out, uh, how, cause the old skills that you had, uh, there's some that transfers, but not everything. And I think you're right. I think a lot of the objectives are much more forced into the field of play. Um, which, which feels kind of shaky, right? Like, uh, you know, from the whole objective perspective, like for those of us who are used to saying like, Oh, you goofed up, 
now I've got three, like almost all the way at the back of my board. Um, mm-hmm. that that's very unlikely to happen. Um, and they can be, they can be disrupted. So you can hold objectives, but you better be ready to fight over them. Yeah, for sure. So that's just a basic rundown of the new, the new rules themselves. Um, so, so some, some broader implications, some further discussion, I guess, where would you like to start, Davey? We can, we can well, talk about, I mean, we we're kind of already things. talking some of the, uh, some of the implications of objective placement. So let's, let's stay with that for a little while longer. Sure. Um, and one, one thing we didn't mention here is that you get dealt your objectives. And so, you know, what numbers yeah. you're placing, oh, but true. you keep those hidden. So you don't know how the numbers are distributed that your opponent placed, and you do know how the numbers are distributed with what you've placed. Uh, and then that information is not revealed to the opponent until those start getting flipped, which can be a significant amount of time. Now, there's not a ton of cards that uh, objectives and, and such that really care about the numbers, but they're out there, and it's worth uh, considering mm-hmm. when it comes to deck building. So, Yeah. Um, I, I think there's, like... I think in terms of objective scoring, it's not really a thing. Like I don't, I don't think I've seen anybody who started to run like a whole specific number objectives mm. again. Like that yeah. doesn't appear to be a thing yet. Right. Um, but there's power cards now that it says like a you know a token of this number do a thing. Mm. Or I guess Grimwatch have theirs where it's uh, well, I was gonna, score for holding yeah. the one in the round. Um, I was going to bring that specific example up because when we were first looking at the rules changes, I uh, I thought about this. I, I remember saying like, hey, it's kind of cool. Like if I get my three, you know, say I'm a Grimwatch player and I have Shifting Madness, which is the uh, surge for one glory if you're holding an objective that has the same number as the round number. Yeah. Um, if I as I'm placing, and this is before I've seen my objective hand, I can look and I say, okay, if I've got, I've got one, four and five, I can make sure that one goes to the back of my board rather than to the front. So it's in a more protective space or, you know, same thing, one or mm-hmm. two or three, I can put that in a beneficial area. And I was like, I think this might actually be a benefit. Here's the thing though. Like you don't know the other two. So let's say, let's say you draw, you know, yep. three, four, five, one and two are on the opponent's board, but you don't know which one is which. And some of those is like, you, you have to go dive on and just hope you dove on to the right one. So, uh, yeah, in practice, I think it's, it's been, a it's hurt those, um, those folks who really want to be able to interact with a specific objective number, just because it's, there's, uh, the, the information gain you have at the beginning is not as much as the information lost by not being able to see what your opponent has. And what I found in trial was that, uh, while it wasn't suddenly a terrible objective, shifting madness was a lot harder or a lot riskier. Uh, I felt like, uh, yeah, it can already be tough when you can't control which objectives end up in opponent's territory. And now you don't even know which is which over there. So I think that's kind of a, a knock on from the new placement rules. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it's an interesting side effect, right? I mean, it's like, Oh, suddenly the, the action efficiency just by the nature of not having all the information mm-hmm. just means like I can just completely waste an activation. Yep. And that is yep. usually something you can't afford to do. Right. Totally. Um, so very interesting change, something that I don't know that I've seen anyone else talking about, but I think is definitely a, 
like you say, it's a bigger deal than than maybe we initially anticipated. Yeah. And uh, I guess that that does uh, sort of like like you were saying, it lends itself into some card selection and some new consideration with different cards. Um, and, and there's other things as well. But but so, I mean, I guess like you already mentioned that there's the infaction for the um, uh, Grimwatch uh, that they, they have shifting madness. There's mm-hmm. also the the uh, tactical supremacy. There's tactical oh, more play. There's more in yeah. flight. They have holding even and odd. And mm-hmm. if you don't know, that could be tough as well. So, I mean, all of those types of cards suddenly get harder to use. Um, mm-hmm. We also have a, uh, I, I think it's just the one for power cards that we've got living land. Um, so living land specifically says that you can flip an objective hex of like a number that matches the round um and that i mean there's actually a couple implications there but first and foremost you you now maybe don't know which ones are which number that's harder to rely on getting the right one to be able to flip but then also that's not an objective token until it's been flipped once so um a couple things there kind of uh I don't know. It's a interesting situation to be in with having uh, some staple cards like that suddenly not <laughs> as viable as they used to be. I, I definitely still have Living Land in my uh, Starbloods deck, and I, I'm actually just thinking about it now. It's like, maybe I should be taking it out. I don't actually right. know that it makes a ton of sense. I think the games that I've played with it so far, I didn't really end up getting a lot of use out of it. I've I've uh I've I've not included in any any objective deck that I've built so far specifically because of that like uh the number may be a non-factor and the other side of it which is to move the token while powerful needs it to be an objective before it can be moved yeah uh, and it's it's possible you're gonna have that and just be a dead card um so uh mm-hmm. I think uh you know when we're talking about cards we're talking about a, a number of things that we were paying attention to in ways that we, we might not have before, you know, like, like you said, uh, referring to numbers, but it's important to look, are they talking about, um, feature tokens or are they talking about objectives? So yeah. anytime you see one of those cards, check that piece and that'll tell you, uh, whether how, how useful it is for interaction there. Um, there's, there's other infections, like one of the cards that for a long time felt like one of the more powerful cards to me, um, was, uh, in Chosen Axes, the uh, Treasure Lust, where you could push a fighter three spaces mm-hmm. as long as they ended up on an objective. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> now what? <laughs> uh, now that now that uh, token has to be flipped before it can even happen. And man, the, the value of that card just dropped. Um, any any card that's flipping in general, you know, the the it used to be, you know, for for a while, like the ability to flip an objective was extremely rare right flipping a yeah. feature token was few and far between then we got more and more of those but it's still like if you still collected like every card across the board that talked about flipping it was still a pretty finite pool but now mm-hmm. anyone can flip as long as they're standing on a feature token they can flip it so uh you know in economic terms that just like plummets the value of a flip basically like yeah it's it's real hard to it's real hard to um 
to flip uh, and keep it flipped. So, because if you're flipping a, if you're flipping an objective underneath somebody, they can delve it back uh, at any power step. So they have lots of opportunities to under, undo any work you do. Um, and so uh, you really need a compelling reason to bring a flip in uh, if if uh, you don't. So uh, for that purpose, I was like, RIP Geomancer's Gauntlet, because who's going to spend an action now to flip something, right? Yeah, like, no, I definitely not. Um, I think the only reason that you would is if you could do it from range. And I think the only mechanic that does that is with the Starblood Stalkers. You can have Kishitaka flip it from three hexes away, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it's still niche. You're not going to do that all the time, but maybe. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, and But yeah, I mean, it's, it's not great. Um, so while flipping in power cards loses value, flipping in general... Does it still have some value in terms of needing to use it as a uh, defensive tactic as well? Or I guess maybe offensive in the sense that people are now hiding in these tokens just as much as they are trying to hold them. Uh, well, that gets into some of the mechanics. We, we didn't talk quite as much. This is a good time to talk some about Delve. Um, you know, the, the other sure. thing about Delving is that uh, it, it's also a stall. We've talked about that. So, but uh, as right. far as... Yeah. Uh, offensively i think that's i think that's fair to say so if you're in a cover hex you're getting uh double supports now count as successes on your defense roll uh as we said before that's particularly handy because there's not there's not a cleaver and snare that knocks out supports um and with uh dire chasms update of supports you there's not even that uh you know supports canceling all that sort of thing so that's not even on the table here um and so here's, there's the timing, like when, how long do I want to keep my defensive benefit mm-hmm. versus how long, uh, at what point do I need to flip it to, to have it take effect? So like the, the most basic math of this would be, you want to wait as long as possible to flip it. Um, uh, one thing we didn't even mention is, is how this affects, uh, surge, uh, surge hold objectives. So, yeah. uh, even though temp victory has expired, we still have. Uh, factions like Grimwatch or the Gash Grashrax despoilers that you know mm-hmm. can surge for two to hold three. Um, there's other other factions have similar um, things like that. Uh, those objectives are slowed down, so the value on those is reduced. Possibly to the point where I don't I don't know if they even need to be restricted anymore. It's it's hard to say. Yeah. I think more information needed, but yeah, I think it's it's worth a discussion because it's like. So something that I noticed, because I still had some of the surge hold objectives in my decks when I was playing, and I was finding that it's like, in order to even score a lot of these surge hold objectives, it's like, I have to basically set this up ahead of time, because I have to have, you know, I have to have already flipped it, and then move on to it to be able to score. And so there's a full turn delay. And so like you can still score it in the round, so it's still better than an end phase, but sometimes the reward isn't as high. Mm. And so then it's like, well, am I gaining as much as I need? Like, would it make more sense to just take passive hold like surges instead of hold objective surges? Mm. Um, Which is a weird thing to feel. Uh, And there was definitely cases where I was like trying to do the math in my head of like, (laughs) okay, if I have this many turns left and I have these cards to score, and I need to flip these tokens first to be able to score them. Like, 
do I even have enough actions to be able to do this? Mm, yeah. And it's just something you never had to think about before. Yeah. Um, and I think that's maybe the only situation where I was like, man, I wish I had a way to flip these with a power card, but like it just, once they're flipped, you want them to stay flipped. So then yeah. it's like, uh, now I don't really care. And <laughs> like, I don't know. It just leaves your power deck in a weird spot. So, yeah. So yeah, it's totally right. You, you either have to flip it before going so that you can, you can score it in the one activation or you have to move on, delve it to what you want it to be and then hope that you stay on there. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, you can move on, wait to delve until your next activation. But basically, you know, it, it, uh, it either requires power card expenditure or requires you to, um, to basically it's, it slows it down by, by a turn where somebody has a chance to, uh, do something about it. Yeah. Um, you could, you know, theoretically force somebody's hand with that. You know, like if, if, uh, if I see, uh, you know, uh, Grimwatch move, they're sitting on three feature tokens. I'm like, okay, well, they're only one delve away, you know, one, one round worth of delving away from scoring this. Now do I commit and throw in and try and hit one of these little ghouls? Uh, or do I shoot my shot and try and get, uh, you know, crystal well down or you know like it you you right. can try and but it's it's you know clearly less powerful than it used to be so yeah and I, I guess we kind of mentioned this but just to hammer it home like that timing you know battle that you're sort of waging in your mind of like when do i need to flip these what's the timing that i need to figure out if your opponent isn't playing hold objectives they don't have to think about it at all and like mm. To them, it's like, oh, you're just taking away your defensive buffs. Okay, cool, great. That just makes it that much easier for me to come and hit you. Yeah. Um, which I think, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I I haven't checked any of the tournament results lately to see like how are hold objective decks playing. But my feeling is that aggro is in a much better spot right now. Mm. Um, and like I said, don't have any data to back that up because I haven't double checked that. But it's like. You, you just there's <laughs> there's benefits to just standing around in feature tokens for aggro and it gums up the works even more than for the whole objective player mm -hmm. uh yeah it's worth one you know we'll we'll talk some more about uh which cards have kind of gone up or down in value um but there may be this thing where now your hold objective i mean everything's always a little bit hybrid right there's there's mm -hmm. very few decks always, that are yep. just 100 of something even even in their heyday a lot of grimwatch decks were hold objective uh in their objectives and gambits but uh aggro in their upgrades where they yep. they get that glory and then counter punch hard with their upgrades uh it, it may be more hybrid than before now where uh do a lot of killing and along the way pick up some objectives like by standing on them as well um, yeah in general like the easiest thing the easiest rule of thumb for you is to wait as long as possible to delve uh if you think that you're going to be trying to combat something like uh dominant position or something like that where you're you you think that uh, maybe i do need to hold some objectives um but uh waiting till the last possible minute could leave you open to um uh, power cards flipping because you you end up delving to try and deny and then somebody uh, managed to pull off maybe they did bring a, a flip flip gambit uh flips mm -hmm. that back to to lock it in so 
Yeah, um, we're looking if at you, you Rothcorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If uh, if you can do it though, if you can do it, um, you know, like one power step before the end, that gives you a buffer, uh, yep. and then it makes it pretty hard because if you're already standing on an objective, you can leave it as is, uh, and then even if they flip it, then you'll be able to delve it back. Um, so. I think that feels like a thing that you do much more in game two, or if you have a really good idea of what the opponent's deck is doing is, yep. uh, is creeping that, that back. Um, just, uh, just a little head game to keep in mind. Definitely. Well, since you mentioned it, uh, should we talk through some of the cards that we think have maybe lost value and gained value along the way here with some of these changes? Yeah, sure. Um, we talked uh, about some of these already, but, um, uh, you know, with, with power cards, we're looking at, you know, if, if it's something that flips, uh, it's probably gotten less valuable. It's got to have some other redeeming quality. Yep. Uh, if it's referring to objectives and not feature tokens, not so much. Um, on the other hand, like, I think if it specifically refers to feature tokens, its value may have gone up before because lethals were feature tokens, I think believe before yep. yeah, although we didn't so. usually think about it because you weren't you're were almost never voluntarily pushing onto them yeah um, right and so now uh something like symbiote's call i feel like has has gone up it's a push and now at the start of the game there's you know seven feature tokens out there that don't damage you for getting pushed into them mm-hmm. uh and so that's that's a little more wide open than it was when it was just five and then two lethals um and symbiote's call both sides of both both options that the, the push and the flip refer to feature tokens. I think yep. symbiote's call retains pretty good value for them. I think so too. I think symbiote's call has become a, a, a powerful card and basically a, a solid replacement option for living land. Um, if you think that you still need to have that push effect and a flip mm-hmm. effect, yeah. Um, Cunning paths was one that, uh, yeah, it uh, it's not an upgrade, thing. but it's a it's a game. It, it's uh, so this is a card that gives you a, will give you plus one move uh, to all your fighters. So if you're someone like Manok who is uh, potentially triggering multiple moves in a in a single round, a little extra to be gained from that. Uh, but then it also, if you have a quarry, they can flip things uh, as they go, which actually gives you an opening. You know, if you you can use that if you also have quarries out. Uh, it can give you the ability to uh, score some of those surges that we're mm-hmm. talking about. So definitely, um, and we already mentioned anything that's taking an action to flip is probably not good anymore. Uh, I think anything that is like a conditional flip. So we've got great tremors, which is just like sort of a Yahtzee style. You roll <laughs> five <laughs> dice and see if you get any crits, and for every crit you can flip a feature token i don't think that that card probably holds a lot of value anymore just because it wasn't likely to happen anyway and now people can just reverse it really easily um and then there's also a spell uh card that can flip that's new with uh you're thinking of uh light of azir oh so flip one feature token that is not an objective token within one hex uh and is that that's a spell action yeah it's a it's a spell action on an upgrade and it's just like i don't think i care to do that yeah there is a existing gamut spell mazig's machinations uh was a focus and flip flip all features within two uh or one feature in no one's territory or one opponent's territory um 
those I, as for the things that flip, like you were talking about with uh, great tremors or mazigs, I think you have to have a specific reason for including. I don't think they stand on their own necessarily, uh, specifically mm-hmm. because of the counterplay. Uh, but for example, I I had mazigs in. I've put mazigs in my eyes deck. Uh, it is in there for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, we've got um, the uh, myriad incantations, so having some spells sure. in there creates okay. an easy thing to score. And then, uh, you know, a, a, a very powerful card, which actually lost a step, is a Deceitful Step, uh, because Deceitful right. Step is going to send you to a starting hex or an objective hex, but if there aren't objective hexes out there, then nothing happens if yeah. you roll that side of it. So uh, giving yourself a landing spot in enemy territory can be pretty important for that. Uh, and that's a powerful enough combo that the situational, hey, I managed to flip something out from under somebody um, if yeah, they didn't time their delve correctly. I think all those things add up to to be more useful. Maybe you include something that flips if you are uh, <clears throat> if you are running something like uh, uh, chosen axes and want to be able to use that that powerful push treasure lust. So yeah, yep. Um, an upgrade, an upgrade that uh, it doesn't actually flip anything, but. Uh, I think maybe loses a step as well, uh, but is maybe still powerful enough to, to include is um, uh, quickening greaves uh, yeah. and quickening greaves specifically because a lot of times you'd use it. Hey, I'm going to get somebody who's adjacent to an objective at the end of the round is going to manage to step back onto that objective, but they're doing it here. They're making that step after the delves have happened. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, you can't just use it to step onto uh, a gloom hex and then count on that gloom hex getting flipped over. Now it may still be good enough um, to use otherwise, but uh, yeah, it, it loses a little bit there. It's more of a distraction protection, right? It's like mm-hmm. you can't use it to gain an extra hex, but you can use it as an insurance measure now mm-hmm. to get back on. Um, sort of in that same vein, and maybe even has more applications now. I feel like confusion has suddenly sort of I, had its stock come up. I agree with up. that. Yeah, I mean, to to me, if you're trying to hold objectives, that's that's maybe a a must include. Yeah, uh, specifically because a lot of what's happening with hold objectives is people are are vying for that uh, dominant position is still a very strong one, and that's a yeah, that's a two point swing there, and people are going to be attempting to block that confusion. Is it there's a big swing in that? Yeah, and I mean, if you can, as an aggro warband, end up on a gloom hex, what like why wouldn't you? Right, you're giving yourself mm-hmm. a one sixth bonus to your defense roll, so there's the potential for people to just be gumming up the works with ranged fighters because they know this is just a better spot to end up in. Mm -hmm. And then especially if they know they're denying you from scoring as well, they're probably just likely to hang out on Mm -hmm. the future tokens. So having a way to, you know, get on and remove them from one all in one card, I think has, has gained a lot of value. Sure. Uh, There's one card that I'm interested to see more of, and I don't know what to think about this. And this is writhing shadows. Are you familiar with this one? Yeah, I think so, but you should definitely read it again to make sure I'm remembering. <laughs> sure. Uh, so this is a, a gambit. It came out with the, uh, uh, with the hero deep box. And this is a mm-hmm. pick one flip one feature token in an empty hex or roll one attack dice for each fighter in a cover hex. And on a roll of hammer, deal one damage to that fighter. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird one for me. So there's that flip, which which may be useful. It's in an empty, um, which 
at first when I was looking at anything that was flipping in and empty, I was like, well, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't even hardly matter. Um, but on the, on the yeah. flip, like it's, it's about as useful as the other because flipping in an occupied often means that they're just going to delve it right back. Mm-hmm. So this lets you kind of flip something over. And if you are doing something like that deceitful step or, you know, uh, God forbid labyrinth boots, um, uh, you know, <laughs> like the, the things that want to see an objective before they, they go there, uh, it can unlock those. <laughs> But mostly on this one, right, right, in Masters, uh, there's the roll, the uh, the damage, this kind of splash damage. Yeah. Um, if you're only trying to get it on one person, not great odds. But as soon as there's like two or three or four, uh, you can you can actually splash out a lot of damage with this um, with the yeah. with the right roll. So one and three on each of those. And I don't know if it's powerful enough to like dissuade people from going on to cover hexes. So um, the more the more cards we see like that, the more complicated some of these decisions become. Definitely. And and I think I would imagine that we're going to see more cards like that. And so there's probably yeah. going to be this sort of push and pull of like, how much can I rely on gloom versus how yeah. much is it going to hinder me if I do yeah. rely on it? So that I think I agree. And that's definitely going to be interesting. Um, does Writhing Shadows have any range restriction? It's just flip no, an empty just hex. pick one anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't, I guess I had sort of read it and been like, eh, that's probably not that great. But now that you mention it, I think that needs some testing because that sounds like it could be pretty useful. Yeah. As, as we talk about it, um, it's worth mentioning that feature tokens include those uh, objective hexes that are gloom on both sides. You can technically flip those or delve those. Um, mm-hmm. There's very corner case. Well, I, I can see delving them to stall for time if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, I Flipping them for any other reason feels hard to wrap your head around uh, unless, and this depends on exactly how this gets ruled, but uh, things like Arm of the Everwinter, um, which score for flipping or destroying an objective. Um, yeah. Uh, I think there's another one out there. Um, it's the Astro Matrix alignment. Yeah. yeah. So does that count as uh, does that count as your warband flipping it? Uh, I I think it'll probably end up being yes, but you know it's it's technically not an action or a uh, or a card that that did it. So uh, hard 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 to say. I I can see yeah. why people have it up for debate. So. Um, Anyway, that's that's me getting on a tangent of a tangent of a tangent. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the, the the cards I'm interested in seeing is more of this writhing shadows. Like what what happens that? How do we continue to make these uh, feature tokens uh, interesting and and give you more head games to play around with them? Um, I think uh, I think it'd be cool if they did something. You know, like there's definitely thematic things you can do with uh, light and dark, right? Like you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, burst of light or something and uh all all objectives in one board or something get get flipped or all feature tokens flip all feature tokens in one board uh or do something that restricts the the delve say like uh you know play you play a card and now um fighters can't delve for a round or or until the end of the phase i think yeah uh maybe there'd be a waypoint like we've seen one waypoint card maybe there's a waypoint that restricts your ability to delve in a round or something like that so would definitely be cool i think there's plenty of good uh ground to try things out in there's lots of new space to 
uh, explore in. So I'm certainly excited for that. I think it should be pretty good. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of power cards that we've talked about and some of the reasons that, you know, stocks are up or down. Uh, how about objectives? Um, what, what sorts of things do you think are losing value? What sorts of things do you think have become better? What sorts of things do you think need more uh, experimentation? So I think uh, we already mentioned, I, I think maybe the first objective you have to mention, we, we've done as a dominant position. I think it remains really strong. Yep. Um, it's an end phase, so it's not really affected nearly as much. It doesn't care about the numbers, just cares about standing on them. And then you can uh, delve at the appropriate time and make sure you control them. The only head game here is if one of the war bands does have flip tech, uh, making sure you delve at an appropriate time, uh, sort of. Yeah. Waiting until the last possible moment, but not too late to do that. Definitely. Um, and at least from my experience, like dominant position has become almost easier to score than it used to be because there's just mm. so many fewer uh, objectives that if your opponent wasn't delving and aren't necessarily thinking about it, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I hold one objective and I score dominant position. Like that's mm -hmm. feels pretty brutal sometimes. Um, I think there's a huge, uh, boost for any objective that says hold all of objectives in X territory. So it might be all the objectives in one territory, all objectives, uh, on the board. Yep. Um, because it's, it's likely, I mean, it's that situation that, uh, uh, the gets would sometimes attempt to exploit where if they got enough flips out flips and destroys, they could hold the only one. So things like infestation or uh claim the city um yep are are those are those are like the big five pointers and they're that that's where you start saying like yeah maybe it is worth bringing some flip tech if i can if i can get this to go off yeah uh, a five glory objective that that that's possibly worth investing in in your power deck yeah and a five glory that is just an end phase it's not a third end phase like mm -hmm. it is you probably game ending if you manage to score that in like round one or something That's you're just going to be way ahead pretty huge boost uh but one that is universal uh and i think you're going to see a ton of is scant resources and i think you're going to see this i think i i say you're going to i think you are already seeing this uh, even in hybrid decks right um mm -hmm. this is all objectives have to be held uh and so yep. it can be as easy as you're the only person who delved uh and so there's one objective and it's delved and you scored scant resources and dominant position off of it. Yep. Um, this also represents, it's almost like a counter pick. Uh, so if, if you think the other person is going for a dominant position, <laughs> or if you think the other person is going to try and stop your dominant position, yeah. this has some extra insurance in that arms race. Um, we were talking about ways to use Manok. If you, uh, if you can use his moves, you can, not have to burn an activation, moving somebody onto an objective uh, to delve that and then step off to deny somebody else scant. You can mm -hmm. you can find a way to use his uh, uh, cunning ability to uh, run somebody on that as a as a reaction, and then even run that person forward again to keep him in the mix, which also clears that objective off. So not only is it delved, but it's no longer occupied. Um, so if you're, if you're trying to counter, counter scant resources, you've got that as a possibility. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of just interesting play now where it's like, well, how, how am I going to get onto all of these to do the flips and how am I going to do it in the most efficient way possible? Obviously 
warbands that you know already have easy ways of just like pushing fighters or moving multiple fighters at once can just kind of do it uh mm-hmm. but you sort of have to get creative now i feel like push tech is even i mean it's always been important it's always mm-hmm. going to be important but it's almost mm-hmm. more important now than it maybe even was before sure um another one that i th- have been playing with just because it felt like it could be such a huge swing that you used to almost never consider was making a statement yeah um, another universal one it's a three-point swing for holding all uh of the objectives um but if there's only like one or two you just hold those and you get three glory that's yeah that's well specifically good. holding all objectives in enemy territory right right yeah it has yeah. to be in enemy territory but if you yeah. you know if if there's the only the one or something you just run somebody into enemy territory and flip the one then yeah uh, this is doable and this is this is like big time argument for confusion right yep yep uh, huge. somebody's somebody's attempting to step on some maybe delve them to deny uh down position and then you drop somebody in and confusion and that that's the kind of play that hold objective decks have traditionally loved because there's not dice involved right like that's yep. i just want to be standing in the right spot um so definitely uh that's a good one there's a number of faction ones um yep like uh, uh purifying rights for the wild hunt reclaim the lamentary uh for ilthari Yep. Yep. Hold all, all, all in one player's territory, right? So, yep. uh, similar ideas. I don't know necessarily how <laughs> those warbands are faring for holding objectives right now, but I think in it gives them a really good uh, flex option where they can hundred percent uh, just just sort of passively just stand around in some gloom and then come last power step. They're just like, oh, and I'll just delve these and then score a couple glory off of that. I mean, I, I can tell you at a hundred percent consider it in Ripa now, uh, if yeah. when that, in that time where I'm just kind of biding my time, biding my time, uh, one of those things I can do while biding my time is to walk onto one of the objectives in my territory, uh, and then delve it before the end of the round to pick up an easy two, uh, and maybe get an inspire on Ripa, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, especially uh, with, sufficiently. uh, you know, ranged fighters that you can take advantage of flips with because sure. it makes the positioning that much easier. Yeah. Um, and if you're a total psychopath, you can double down on the making a statement by running Steelheart and running cleanse as well. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have, what is it making, making a statement clone, uh, in faction. Yeah. So back in uh, the day when they were like, yeah, this is going to be a thing that people want to do. Yeah. Uh, um, I, it's, it's just crazy enough that it makes me feel tempted, but I know it's you know, <laughs> probably wrong. I mean, and they have one that's just like, uh, uh, they get one for just holding one in enemy territory. So they, they have kind of a constellation prize one. Anyway, that's, yeah, yeah. there's, there's I mean, still movement three. So <laughs> good luck. Yeah. But, yeah. Three fighters movement three. It's yeah. Probably not happening, but yeah, you know, the opportunity is there now, I think. Yeah. But point being, uh, holding all the objectives, uh, that all is not as daunting as it used to be. No. And uh, I think in some cases it's almost better than stuff that says hold, you know, two or three specifically sure. because that's a guarantee that you have to do a, a fairly large percentage of the objectives and some of these since it just says all it can be one and like well sometimes they just get lucky and that's <laughs> your opponent's gonna probably feel pretty bad at that point <laughs> yeah 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 
Um, we talked about some of the surges ones like arm of the inner arm of the everwinter and astro matrix alignment. Um, depending on exactly how those rule determines how those are either like insanely easy, uh, or require you to take some flip stuff or in the case of, uh, in the case of, uh, the lizards just use your boss's ability. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think anymore now for star bloods, Astro matrix is a 100% guaranteed include like, sure. There's just going to be situations where you can just take your first action score of glory. You didn't do anything other than flip a token. So, yeah. Um, what I also thought was uh, worth mentioning here in the, in the kind of surge category is prize beyond measure. And this is one Mm -hmm. that, uh, Somebody's got to have three upgrades on them and be holding an objective. And there's a reading of this that says that uh, all the people holding objectives would have to have three or more upgrades. Um, I, I know there's some talk back and forth over whether that's the correct interpreter. That's how I read it. That's how um, I read it as well. But uh, I, I scored that without too much trouble. You get three on Vortimus. And I was already, normally this is like kind of prohibitive for somebody who also wants to be holding lots of objectives because as you get your other people on, this gets hard here. You can kind of delve it into a situation where you can score it mm-hmm. and the delve mm-hmm. back out of that situation. Uh, once you're ready to score your end of round objectives. So, um, for me, the, the value of that went quite, went up quite a bit. Yeah. And that feel, I mean, all of these feel like really strong flex options. So like if you're mm-hmm. wanting to play aggro, but you need that passive glory, some of this stuff is really easy. Sure. Um, I think Arm of the Everwinter is maybe one that people are particularly unhappy with right now because it's like, oh, did Hrothgorn really need another free glory in his deck? Um, right. But I think it's something to keep an, an eye out for, especially because right now it's very limited to specific factions, but I think this might be something that they're going to be playing around with. And, I mean, watch out because it might suddenly be a thing. Yeah. Uh, as a very solid uh, flex option. Uh, yeah. In, in the same way that we were talking about uh, power cards, like paying attention to whether they're talking about objectives or feature tokens, there's uh, there's some objectives out there. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough, tough time for objectives to have two different meanings in this game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But right. for uh, there's some objective cards that refer to feature tokens um and those are worth looking at especially since they are often going to be in direct competition with cards that have you hold objectives yeah yep for sure um i think a great example that is uh treasure hunters uh which is we we were referring to that kind of obliquely before that is hold two in enemy territory uh to get yourself three uh, glory uh, and that kind of competes a little bit against Fearless Seekers, which is hold two feature tokens in enemy territory to get two glory. So one less glory, but you kind of don't care what the status of those are. Uh, yeah. You don't care what they're flipped to. Yeah, which I think is definitely pretty strong. Uh, mm. As a Again, as a flex option, I think it's pretty good because you don't have to really care about uh, the objective side at all. And you just yep. take advantage of the... Um, the benefit of just hanging out in a defensive boosting hex and then also can score off of it. And and I think this is kind of a funny uh, parallel to some of the stuff that they tried to do where it was like, well, if you're, if you've got a certain number of fighters standing in lethal hexes, you can score yeah. stuff. And it was just always like, eh, the courage. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah, yeah. too much. 
but this is like a ghost. Yeah. I, I want to be there anyway. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, on top of that, like with this, when you're comparing fearless seekers or treasure hunters, you got more landing spaces to score this off of because you get to Mm -hmm. count those double-sided glooms, uh, as part of this. So, um, there's just more opportunities to find, find a spot with two. It's hard to, it's hard for your opponent to cover up every possible place. So, yeah. um, Yeah. And then I, I guess just as a quick side for infaction, cunning warfare basically is this as well. Yeah, um, yeah. It's feature token or cover hex. I'm not really, I guess, because there's printed cover hexes on the yep, board. Exactly. Um, and then also in the destruction faction cards, there's scant rewards. Uh, so having, so it's a hybrid. So I don't think you're ever scoring it off the first one uh there are no feature tokens in your territory and in no one's territory i don't know how you even mathematically make that happen anymore don't have enough destruct you know objective destruction in the game left yeah i don't uh, think that's actually possible but uh (laughs) the other side there are no objective tokens on the battlefield like yeah Yeah. okay that feels pretty good um so another thing or it i mean it basically just says you know is the board state how it was when it was set up score two yeah yeah um there's a sinking feeling which is in a similar way to fearless seekers versus treasure hunters sinking feeling is uh hold more feature tokens is it more feature or more cover uh feature tokens it's hold more feature tokens uh and you only score one glory for it so um another comparison i i one glory end phase need to be pretty good to get it i I don't have a hard time thinking of the deck that really wants this but maybe maybe you do take it in a hold objective deck and it's your kind of consolation maybe you just kind of score it along with some of your other stuff when you do it so yeah or maybe if you're just like playing sort of a sit back kind Mm. of defensive tactics like Mm -hmm. I, i mean the thing that comes to mind is sort of playing uh the um dwarves and just sitting back and wanting to have a defensive position to take shots from but i don't really know that this payoff's even good enough for that so yeah um but it is very easy (laughs) death have an infection one that's lurking death uh this is a score two glory in the end phase it's a duel and they have to have uh two or more friendly fighters each in a cover hex and one of them has to be in enemy territory uh, it is a first for a card where it uh, deals one damage to one fighter from your warband that is in a cover hex. Um, I think some of the death warbands are 100% okay with this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. okay, fine. You can uh, do a damage to the Royal Butcher, whatever, you know, like he was already yep. going to be one shot anyway. So um, that one feels pretty powerful. Uh, interestingly, because it's specifically calling for cover and not feature hexes, it does work a little bit counter to holding objectives proper, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You, uh, you probably don't want this if you're playing hold objectives, right? Because then you have to not have them flipped to the objective side. Mm-hmm. Um, um, unless you think you can turn it into like a Sophie's choice for your opponent where they're not sure which way they <laughs> which, want it, you know, which so, one am I holding? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and as much as I love those games, it's probably better to, <laughs> not to put your attentions. Uh, those those are some of my favorite uh, moments in the game, though. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, anything else? 
Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about old standbys, there's path to victory, right? Like that's there, that's in the essentials. That's going to be there the whole time. So, uh, hold two objectives and have, uh, taken somebody, uh, an enemy fighter has to have gone out of action. And that's kind of in direct competition with, uh, lost in shadow, which is hold two objectives and one enemy fighter must be in a cover hex. So yeah, I included lost in shadow specifically because it's like, well, this is nice. I don't have to roll dice. I don't have to worry about, but I do have to control where the opponent is. And on one hand, you're like, man, people are in uh, cover hexes all the time. So this is not going to be a problem. <laughs> uh, what I think though, is that this is the sort of card. And I think a number of the cards we've talked about here are more powerful in a best of one than they are in a best of three. Yes. Uh, Cause I think you're going to catch somebody out with lost in shadow in a best of one. And then it's going to be substantially harder later in the best of three. Uh, there may be an argument to be made that if you can, if including this, scoring this on them in, in a, in the first round, uh, in the first game, and then having them trying to avoid, uh, standing in cover for the rest of the game. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that for the, for the rest of the, the best of three, I mean, that's something. It also makes it easier for you then to, uh, uh, get some of your other things because if they're not standing on objectives and delving them uh you've got an easier chance to score some of your other ones so i i mean again i, I i'm broken record i like those head games so yeah and i think i think it, it probably is worth uh practicing with um like you say i think maybe it becomes too hard to score like the last thing you want is to slow your deck down but at mm-hmm. the same time, if it if it's enough of a significant detriment to your opponent, or if it's like so counter to their gameplay that they can't afford not to stand in them, then it's like, well, then I just always score this. And sure, yeah. So I mean, it's probably going to be a little matchup dependent, but I think it'll probably be it'll be good enough that you could include it. Like I don't think it's it's probably like thirteenth card territory where you're like, oh, maybe I just do throw this in on the off mm-hmm. chance that it is a meta with a lot of people trying to stand in feature tokens. And I think uh, it may become more powerful. There's already quite a few cards that give you benefits uh, for standing in. Uh, you know, there's there's either objectives that are scoring you things for being in cover hexes or, or future yeah. tokens, or there's cards that just straight up, hey, are you in a cover hex? Well, cool, get this attack benefit, you know? So yeah, yep. Upgrades uh, people, people are being incentivized beyond just the uh, defensive bonus for being in there. Lots of good stuff. Yeah, I one before we move on from cards, I, I one very relevant comment I want to make uh, <laughs> that helps holding objectives. There's no distraction left, so uh, if people want yeah. to try to distract you out, they've got to go for hypnotic buzz, mirror move, or center of attention. I think are some of the the ones that they're going to have to work with. Yeah, those are strong options left, and uh, yeah. yeah, no mischievous spirits. Um, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, there's just a lot of the strong anti hold objective stuff that yeah. just. Do you, uh, would you, do you think if you had mischievous spirits available, would you take it now in a hold objective? Like, it's weird because it's I would need to look. objectives, not feature yeah, tokens. Yeah, so. no, that's right. Uh, I was just going to say, I need to check the wording, but you're right. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's objective. So, no, I probably wouldn't even take it, even if it was available yeah maybe it's it's hard i mean that it, it has that confusion effect there where you can like take an objective and slide it from you know under one to another yeah but it's tough yeah it's tough i don't know i mean it would basically only have strong value later in the game so yeah that's 
I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it's not really worth thinking too hard about. We can't play that's, with that's it. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but it is an interesting thing to even consider that it's like, oh, well, maybe it's not even wouldn't wouldn't even be good enough to consider. Yeah. Uh, but in that same vein, like, so distraction's gone. Like, yeah, okay, that's that's rough. That that can yeah. also be bad for the whole objective factions in this as well, because like. Mm. And now, of course, with Starblood Stalkers, I didn't really feel this because they do have right. their own infaction push options. But, distraction only better. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, you know, that's what we need. Um, but like for warbands that don't have that. Uh, so, you know, I, I most, I guess, don't have yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe they, they don't, you know, you've only got your one confusion. And then it's like, oh, well, I actually need to get on that hex where that f- enemy fighter is. And I, the only way I can do it is if I hit him. And it's like, mm. oh, maybe I can't get the dice to work out for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be rough. And having distractions was always a good way to just make sure that you could clear those tech, those hexes. Um, so that'll be something to watch as well. I mean, distraction goes both ways in a lot of situations. So, uh, yeah. There's one card I was surprised I, I haven't seen return, and maybe it's just it's hard to uh, work out the wording on this. But uh, I'm trying to remember, was it called uh, Master Duelist? There, there used to be one that uh, instead of a drive back, you could uh, confusion effect basically. So if you won a combat, you could uh, swap mm-hmm. position. That was in uh, yeah. season one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it hasn't been. Re- it has not been reprinted cunning duelist is what it was yep and that was if you succeeded in attack action so it had to be a success but you could uh swap the two fighters places uh if they're if they're adjacent fighters that yeah. seems like a uh I, there was always like an a 11th or 12th upgrade for me where i was like yeah i want this in here and like yeah no never mind it's out but yeah it's an um, interesting one because it definitely like you say it's definitely one that didn't get a lot of use back then and i think Mm -hmm. partially because you just didn't have a good need to do that um even confusion was not as prevalent until night vault i don't think Mm. uh but but it definitely would have a place today i i I think it's maybe it's just something they haven't gone back to look at because they're like and that was a maybe a a design choice that we didn't like from shadespire but maybe it's worth revisiting who knows yeah uh i'm gonna see how many tangents i can get us going on cards that are not in the sure yeah the that, that we can't anymore. actually play with right now unless you're yeah. playing uh yeah. the uh, relic format uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well any other i mean as you just said you're trying to find as many tangents as possible any any other cards that you would like to talk about before we just move on to some general thoughts for different war bands and wrapping things up. No, I think that, uh, that kind of covers a lot of things that I wanted to hit. Cool. All right. Well, uh, so I think tangentially through talking through cards, we've kind of already mentioned a number of war bands that are benefiting from the situation, uh, right now. Um, factions like, uh, so Hrothgorn is, is in a strong position right now starblood stalkers it's like you just have some free flip tech uh for and free scoring off of flipping like it's pretty obvious that you'd want to do that uh and and maybe we already mentioned a couple that have sort of taken a little bit of a hit um but are there any others that you think are worth mentioning for these changes specifically 
Sure. I mean, I think it depends on what the the change is. So I what I've seen between things like um, uh, treasure hunters or making a statement uh, or any of those, you know, hold all in one territory like purifying rights. Um, any any war ban that uh, has the ability or an incentive to get into enemy territory, um, I think, goes up in value. So Skaven, which have their ability to bring back fighters on any starting hex or Grimwatch with the ghoul call ability. Yeah. Um, those are examples of getting fighters into enemy territory without, without, uh, too much crazy trouble. Um, examples of people who benefit, uh, who have other incentives would be like dread pageant have God seekers, you know, to glory for end phase for having everybody in enemy territory. Uh, so you can, you can kind of double down on some of these things where like, yeah, sure. I'll try to be in two, um, feature tokens in enemy territory. Cause I already want to be in enemy territory. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Wraith creepers have a similar thing, uh, for being in or scoring in enemy territory, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, soul raid have a, have a surge for being in there. So, um, I think there is, I think that's one thing. Any, any of the warbands who are doing that, you want to take another look at like, Hey, maybe, maybe I can lean into some of these hold objective. Cause there's some very high scoring objective cards, uh, for holding feature tokens or objectives in enemy territory. And that's worth seeing if you have a full on build or a hybrid build to help you out with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's even, uh, there's even, I guess it's just the one seeking the heart for Starblood stalkers. That's, mm basically that as well i think yes yeah. <laughs> i think you have to be doing it with hunters though let me double check that quick either way i guess uh point is that yes those those cards are all uh of high value now because it just became that much easier to do that um no it's just a hybrid so it's either you have each surviving friendly fighter in enemy territory or you hold each objective in enemy territory Mm. which is actually really good now <laughs> yeah yeah solid but yeah um so some other uh war bands that just sort of less in the specifically holding um sort of vein but just more generically benefit from these changes are war bands that already were rolling multiple defense dice mm. um so we talked about there's already a, a benefit to not flipping because you gain defense. Um, if you already just don't really care about flipping and it's just a very easy math situation for you, it's like, well, my defense dice just got one sixth better. Yeah. And if you're already rolling multiple dice, it's like the, the, the change in defensibility is pretty large. And I think we even got a comment in our discord of somebody asking just like, how, how do I deal with this? Like sure. my attacks are just not accurate enough anymore. Uh, I mean, right. Like, and it has, I, I feel like there's almost added benefit for the hold objective, although they are going to be flipping them. So they're, they're the ones who are going to be standing on things that are no longer cover hexes. But uh, in the time leading up to that, if you're a more flight Banshee, uh, you're effectively yeah. on two block uh, until you decide to to flip that to score off of it. Um, so uh, there's there's that benefit if you if you're a faction that it has it naturally or inspires to it or can get there easily one way or the other, um, then that's that's pretty tasty. Uh, yeah, for that. I guess uh, kind of go along with this that it, I mean, not that it's a big deal, but something I just thought of is that like if you are a 
swarm warband that's already taking advantage of supports fairly frequently, you probably don't have to care as much about mm. the defense bonus from Gloom either because you're already getting a bonus. Um, sure. Of course, it is the double support <laughs> bonus. So it can be tough to get you, there. You can, you know, yeah. Uh, you could get one supporting fighter to get the one and then the gloom to get the two and effectively sure. the gloom works like a second supporting fighter for you. But yeah, I guess my point is like if you're, you know, gets and you're just constantly getting supports, maybe you don't have to think about it quite as much, but I think the, the benefit is just passive to everybody. So it's, mm. it's pretty good if you can take advantage of it. Uh, yeah. Anything else for war bands specifically that you think we should call out for folks? I mean, I think, uh, as we mentioned with the cards, with the demise of distraction, any, any faction that's got an in-faction distraction has an inherent bonus in the hold objective play style. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, there's a handful of those. So, um, spike claws and sepulchral guard jump to mind, mm-hmm. um, with their Molog's got one. Uh, it feels like it was, it was real, you know, war bands early on, I was going to say, but I mean, we've got, uh, the star blood they've got a better than distraction distraction yeah uh, dread pageant <laughs> dread pageant have a sidestep slash distraction slash even better than that depending on how many wounded people are out there mm-hmm. like there's a uh if you have that in-house like that that has some huge positioning uh, bonuses which you can you can leverage in any situation but especially so in the hold objective uh play style definitely yep never underestimate the power of push ploys <laughs> right exactly yeah um so uh kind of sort through and see if see if that uh faction has uh some of these assets that we're discussing here and that's above and beyond any of the uh in faction objectives we've kind of touched on a bunch of those already yeah for sure any any final thoughts just generically um no just that uh we'd love to hear um we're i've, I've only gotten a handful of games in with hold objective style they were incredibly fun um I, I really enjoyed uh, doing that and doing the head games of like, do I think this person's got flip? How long can I wait before <laughs> I start doing this? Like what, when, when do I got to, uh, you know, pull the trigger on this? And um, they were just a, it was a fun set of problems to think about. So I'm excited to play it more, but like I said, we haven't played a ton of them. If you feel like that there's something out there that um, a, a tip or a trick or a, uh, consideration that we're not uh, keeping in mind, uh, let us know. We'll, we'll put it out there to the wider audience. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, this, this is all new ground. This is why we wanted to make sure we had some time with it before we recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, we don't play nearly as much as some people do. So if you've got, if you feel like we are missing something or if there's just a general, uh, you know, knowledge that you've gained through your games. We'd love to hear about it. Or if you just want to chat with us, that would also be cool. Yeah. All right. Well, if you uh, decide that you want to get in touch with us for any other reason, episode ideas, feedback on old episodes, anything in general, uh, you can always do that at WTHcast on Twitter or whatthehexcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in checking out any of those old episodes or any of the other uh, content that our podcast group makes, which is all Age of Sigmar related, uh, you can head on over to themortalrealms.com. For those of you who are Warcry-inspired folks, um, 
the the new season is still going for uh the dog's war cry i i know there was a lot of people who were anxiously awaiting new episodes and i mm-hmm. so just want to let anybody know who doesn't realize that they have started again that yes indeed there's new episodes i think one dropped uh just earlier this week maybe um yeah yeah so uh you can go check those out uh and as always uh thanks to everybody who listens um and everybody who gives us feedback everybody who hangs out in the discord i guess if you'd like to just come and join our discord you can find that information uh in at the mortalrealms.com as well i believe mm, yeah. um yeah we'd we'd love to see you in there hear from you um be great uh coming up next do we have anything to have people look forward to we're gonna do our usual. I, I think I might like to talk uh, arrivals a little bit, but uh, we'll we'll see what uh, yeah, pops cool. up for us. So, sure. Um, I uh, people are pretty positive on that in our local. So, um, cool. but uh, we'll see what we'll see what craps its head up in the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, maybe we'll get a little more information about uh, what's coming. I know. Yeah. Q one is all the information we have at the moment, <laughs> yeah. which is a pretty right. broad and. Uh, generic timeline but uh you know maybe maybe closer to the end of the year we'll have something else to go off of yep all right uh any recommended listening for folks this week yeah there's a joe tex he's a southern soul muscle shoals sound sort of guy he uh he had a hit um back in the olden days uh hold what you've got that's uh, worth checking out awesome well for what the hex i've been phil And I've been Davey. There's a there's an upgrade now that oh, it's like heroic last stand or what, what's uh I'm gonna we're gonna get there <laughs> um the uh what Duke no he's not a Duke what is he uh the the leader mm, yeah uh, so Prince kill both of them and Duval. oh yeah Prince Duval another one that I noticed and this is not a ploy necessarily but uh or well it isn't deploy <laughs> uh is uh lethal snares is that what it's called it's the objective one or the upgrade one where whenever you step onto a feature token you can flip it i'm gonna challenge you there what set is lethal snares from oh man is it not i thought i was looking at championship <laughs> i'm probably not i bet i have yeah no you're right you're right <laughs> And just forget I said anything because <laughs> I was not filtering my cards correctly when I was looking at the list here. Sure. But um, uh, yeah, nope, never mind. <laughs> yeah, but to that effect, I mean, there was uh plus one move in the next round um, for all your fighters. So if you're one of those warbands, like actually, interestingly, um, where I was watching Skylar pull off some, some pretty cool moves with, uh, Getting getting multiple uses out of um, the uh, Cunning Cruise. What's the boss's name? More. 
it's more something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that guy. Yeah. I guess now I'm going to look it up. But War bands. Order. Oh, they got them sorted by faction now rather than season. Manok. Manok. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Nice. Hour and 27. 